The F Word at Work from Fertility Matters at Work is a conversation about fertility and how it affects people at work. You'll be hearing conversations from our community about what they experience when trying to build their families, as our aim is to help you better understand this issue by sharing these stories, along with our own insights from the work we are doing. Plus, we'll be talking to the organisations making these cultural changes the norm, as well as bringing you thought leaders from the workplace wellbeing space. Because you always think of being able to go to HR because they're meant to be you know, more of an impartial part of work. But what I have found in my research is that people are not going to HR because there isn't a policy. And if there isn't a policy, it almost says, you can't speak about these things at work, they're, they're unwelcome, you know, or it's only you that's going through it, which is how I personally felt myself. And I was shocked when I first ever saw the stats, to be honest, one in four pregnancies ending in loss. Yeah, I couldn't believe that it was that high and yet, no one I knew really had been through it. I, certainly no colleagues had ever disclosed to me. Welcome to the F Word at Work. This is the final episode of our first series. And I hope if you've listened to all the episodes, you found what we've been sharing useful. The intention really for the F Word at Work is to give this conversation about fertility struggles in the workplace another platform. So if you do prefer to listen to learn new stuff, then I hope the podcast has done us justice. If this is your first episode, what we've shared so far is a combination of thought leadership, of stories from our community, which is how the F Word at Work started with us doing Lunch and Learns last year in 2022. And we've also been sharing some best practice from the members that we've been supporting in becoming fertility friendly. And really the intention is just if you are someone listening to this podcast because you're in a position in your workplace where you can be a part of that process of change within the culture at your workplace and supporting those dealing with fertility struggles is on your agenda. I hope you've taken away some nuggets of useful information and maybe we've already had a conversation. If you're listening to this because it's something more personal to you, I hope hearing some of the stories that we've been sharing have helped help you feel less alone, help you maybe feel empowered to have the conversation at work. And as we approach the end of the series, what I just want to ask is if anything that we've shared has been of use, please do follow this podcast, subscribe to help all the algorithms know that it is a podcast that deserves to be listened to and long may it continue because we are coming back with a second series and I've just confirmed what our first episode is going to be. We're going to be looking at the new surrogacy reform bill in more detail. So again, if that's something you've heard about, you want to understand more, we will be covering that next time. For now though, you're going to hear a conversation conversation with one of our trainers, Katie Schnitzler, who is a brilliant human being. She's done some fascinating research into pregnancy loss and childlessness. And you'll be hearing more about the work that she does and how we're working together at Fertility Matters at Work, delivering kind of workshops for you. We'll give you details at the end as to how you can get in touch with us. So always do keep listening to the end. Um, It's just me, Natalie, with you today. I'm talking to you over the Easter weekend ahead of this next podcast coming out. And the girls are hopefully enjoying the sunshine that I've currently got in my garden. I've just nipped inside to do this intro. We're all kind of on the move over the Easter break. So I just thought you wouldn't mind if it was just me. So without further ado, 
have a listen to this conversation with Katie. I'll be back at the end just to remind you of how you can get in touch with us and how you can follow us and stay up to date. And just want to thank you for your support with the podcast so far. Before we get into this episode, we just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors for this series, Apricity, which is Next Generation Fertility. And Apricity has a unique virtual model that uses AI innovation and technology to reimagine fertility care. Now to explain that, the technology Apricity use is through their virtual models, so they have virtual consultations, and specifically their bespoke treatment app really guides and supports patients and their partners through their journey so they never miss an injection. They have instant access to their medical team and a dedicated advisor seven days a week. Apricity offers family building benefits to employers, health plans, and individual patients And this goes from diagnostic testing to full fertility management, including medical treatments such as IVF, egg donation, and egg freezing. Apricity helps build families by providing access to the best doctors, technology, and unlimited support. Now, the Apricity Fertility Benefit can be bespoke, designed for your company, for either Flexi Benefit, cash allowance, or through your PMI. And you can discover how Apricity can support your employees just by visiting apricity.life. We have all sorts of fascinating partnerships in the work that we do because we're always really keen to bring in experts uh, to ensure that if you're working with us you get access to the best of the best and we know that fertility is such a vast conversation um, we we can't cover it all just by ourselves so that's where we turn to our partners so I'm going to be welcoming Katie Schnitzer who is the founder of MIST. And MIST does amazing work advising organisations on pregnancy loss, infertility and childlessness so that you can ensure that the support that you're offering employees who might be affected by this is what it needs to be because this is another element of this taboo topic. Often people are very reluctant in talking about it. It is still such a taboo, I think. And so Katie, I'm, I'm so chuffed to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm honoured to be here. Well, I know that you're a fellow podcaster and actually going to be speaking with Becky on your podcast. So we'll have to make sure we share that in the show notes for this episode. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Well, let's start with just hearing a bit more about your background and the research that you've done that has led then to the corporate work that you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So I started a PhD on the topic in 2018. And yeah, I mean, it was quite shocking, really. There were literally a handful of academic papers on this. And I was quite surprised, really, because, you know, academia is meant to be very forward thinking, um, you know, very innovative. So, yeah, I, I saw a real gap there. And then, of course, knowing that the gap was there in academia, it's yeah, it became really apparent that it's also very evident in the workplace as well. So yeah, I actually started up a consultancy to share the research that I'm doing, um, you know, so that it's not just sitting dusty on a shelf somewhere, um, you know, like some academic work perhaps does, you know, it's actually about the impact of it. So yeah, started up MIST workshops in 2020, um, in one of the lockdowns actually. so, yeah, that's that's where it started, really. 
In terms of the research then, I mean, the the stats are pretty stark. Over 70% of people felt they didn't receive adequate support from their workplace after pregnancy loss. So we know that there's a real gap, but we have heard over the last couple of years, more organisations now implementing pregnancy and baby loss policies. So we do know that the message is starting to get across. Um, what else was stand out in some of the findings from your point of view that that, that shocked you? Sure, yeah. So um, it is really great to see more employers implementing policy. And what I found really is that this is just a starting point and employers need the training alongside. Because what shocked me the most coming to this research was the insensitive reactions um, and you know they'll stay with me and they give me that impetus to really push this um, so one quotation from um, a lady that I interviewed um, when she disclosed to her line manager and she was crying in the office because there'd been a pregnancy announcement he turned to her and just said you're crying in the office all the time. You know, you should not have shared your loss with your colleagues. It, this is something that's, you know, really inappropriate. And I just couldn't believe that a line manager had said this. Um, and the same person actually had requested to work from home because she was actually suffering from another loss. She's had recurrent loss. And the line manager turned around and said, no, however, was allowing you know, parents to work from home because they had childcare responsibilities. So that was a particular shocker. Um, but, you know, there's just so many um, insensitive reactions comparing the loss of a baby to, you know, the baby just being a clump of cells. Um, you know, you've probably heard them yourself, Natalie. At least you can get pregnant. Oh, that's a classic bingo one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, definitely and then oh at least you've already got a child um I always think that one's like you know if someone lost a parent and then someone says oh at least you've got your other parent it's just like okay um it's that fine line of are you just trying to fill the gap because this is awkward and you don't know what to say or are you really that insensitive and and have not got any idea of the implications of what you're saying absolutely and actually what I found is I think because of the taboo people are unsure of how to actually react so they do say these statements often well-intentioned like one one employee I met was um yeah her colleague said oh well it's nearly Christmas you know cheer up it's nearly Christmas when she just had her loss and oh, gosh. disclosed you know I think it's just that auto automatic reaction that we want to make someone feel better and that's possibly where it stems from but also the fact that we just don't have the tools because we don't talk about it often in society, we don't know what to say unless we've been through it ourselves or, you know, have very close first, you know, first hand experience or close experience of, of these issues. But the sad reality is when we're talking about one in four pregnancies ending in loss and you think of your workforce, we're talking about a lot of people that have quite possibly have gone through this. And from your stats, I mean, over 70%, 72% didn't speak to HR about their, their their miscarriage. Again, over 70% talked about receiving insensitive comments. So there's people just suffering in silence. And 
we always say, you know, you don't know what you don't know as an organization. And we're here to, you know, help break those taboos and, and bring in this understanding and, and hopefully give managers the confidence to be able to deal with these sensitive conversations. Because there's a fear around it, isn't there? There's a fear about around saying the wrong thing. But we don't want that to be um, kind of overshadowed by then just saying totally the wrong thing you know do, do a bit of research try and understand so that, that empathy can be there and the person can be dealt with more compassionately yeah absolutely and I think training is the most essential part of what we do um and yeah the communication training is always well received you know because actually I think sometimes we focus on what not to say but we don't help people to know what to say and they feel quite powerless. So yeah, we, we do a bit of training on both, you know, what things to say. And sometimes just listening, saying, I'm sorry for your loss. And not assumption forming either that everyone experiences pregnancy loss in the same way. Um, but yeah, it was interesting that stat you said about the HR, because that shocked me, actually, because you always think of being able to go to HR, because they're meant to be you know, more of an impartial um, part of work. But what I have found in my research is that people are not going to HR because there isn't a policy. And if there isn't a policy, it almost says you can't speak about these things at work. They're, they're unwelcome, you know, or it's only you that's going through it, which is how I personally felt myself. Um, and I was shocked when I first ever saw the stats, to be honest, one in four pregnancies ending in loss I mean yeah I couldn't believe that it was that high and yet no one I knew really had been through it I certainly no colleagues had ever disclosed to me it's certainly something I mean I've now been in the fertility space for eight years it's not something I've been through personally but because I've been quite openly talking about this topic I've definitely had more conversations that have then led to friends and colleagues say that it's something that they've experienced and like you say when you do open up the space to talk about it it's staggering the impact and how long that impact can be because I mean for the fertility podcast in the past and I think I'll put a link to this um, in the show notes actually because I spoke to um, an academic Jessica Farron who I'm sure you're probably familiar with oh, she yeah. looked at some research into like the, the PTSD associated with pregnancy loss and it is linked to PTSD isn't it this trauma and that it doesn't yeah. necessarily happen that soon after it can come months and yeah. years after yeah definitely that research that you were mentioning absolutely amazing yeah they found one in six women show symptoms of post-traumatic stress and I mean when you actually think about it of course it makes sense you know you've been through a trauma and because it's such a bodily experience um I myself actually suffered post-traumatic stress and I didn't know that that's what I had I thought it was just um a normal response to the grief um and you know it's it's amazing really just how difficult it became for me to to be around other babies and especially in the workplace pregnancy announcement emails um, if they were doing a collection for someone that was pregnant you know those things would trigger me to a point where I would go into a state of panic you know it was really a very scary um, thing to experience but yeah one in six and I mean that's just one study. I'm sure if they they conducted more research, you know, they might find that to be higher. 
and I had a conversation. Um, we were doing a panel event for one of our clients, and one of the ladies who was speaking, she talked about the anger that she felt. She couldn't really control this anger because she hadn't been able to a talk about what was going on, and she wasn't, I think, sharing it with any of her friends. The feelings aren't being validated, so she's just then left. And like you described some of the triggers that you experience in the workplace, be it around pregnancy announcements, conversations, questions. And she just found it really impacting. Like you were saying, it was scary. You know, I think that's such a kind of strong word that you just don't know what's going on. And I think that level of understanding, if your employer understood, especially we've had so many stories of women in particular just talking about how they've just gone on. This might have been going on at work. They might have been experiencing the miscarriage at work or they might have not been able to have the time off because of the pressures of work. And it's just heartbreaking. Absolutely. And that feeling of anger is so normal because, you know, you go through that in general grief. But I think as a society, we see anger as something that's very negative and we mustn't feel that, you know. So then we feel worse about ourselves because we're thinking, oh, we shouldn't have these feelings. But yeah, anger, bitterness um, about other people being pregnant and then the guilt you feel about feeling that about other people, you know, it's just really relentless isn't it and what about the understanding from an employer about the impact on men if we're talking about um a heterosexual couple or we're talking about a surrogacy journey with the same sex couple where you know there might be a a situation where a surrogate is also lost and that longing for that baby um however it's being brought into the world it has such an effect and and if if that's not really understood by the employer what kind of conversations have you heard around people's experiences from that yeah sure um it's one that gets overlooked um and yeah it's really important to acknowledge the grief actually that partners go through and men we know can really bottle up emotions you know because society tells them that they should and they're often placed in the role of supporter So what we find um, through the research that we've done with companies is that men often feel that their manager asks how their partner is because they think it's only affected the person going through it physically, if that makes sense. So, yeah, um, we include this in our training, you know, partners, whatever gender, whatever sexuality, you know, have significant effects as well. And, you know, they are largely ignored. So, yeah, it's a big part of our training to recognise that. Because how likely are men to say that that's what's going on at home? Yeah, exactly. Because I think men, well, from what other research shows, men struggle to speak about their mental health anyway, don't they? Um, In the literature, it shows lots about banter and jokes being made when you try to talk about something serious. Um, So, yeah, it's... think it's really hard and I think there's the expectation that you know men don't need time off partners don't need time off they don't need support it's only the person that's physically gone through those symptoms it's just recognizing really that partners are equally affected and you know the fact that they might bottle their feelings but we must recognize you know that yeah, it's just vital to include anybody who's affected by this, any employee. Um, 
yeah, to really validate that it is a loss for, for many people. It's experienced as a bereavement. I want to talk a little bit about the training that you offer and get some top tips from you because as well as kind of training managers I know there's different ways the training can be interpreted in terms of first aid first aiders going through this or or Mm. rock health and um we're always really keen in the work that we do to, to highlight that whoever we can get to understand and take on this information is going to make everybody's experience so much better be it those in leadership or just peer support because that is so fundamentally important as well if people are reluctant to go higher if they can go horizontally we talk about 36 percent of people had said that their fertility struggles had had led them to consider leaving the workplace I know that yours was a little lower that those that you know of had said about 12 percent actually did leave following um, pregnancy loss so when we're talking about things like retaining good people and we're talking about the gender pay gap because obviously we're talking about the direct impact here on women what would you say in terms of the training and just some tips for organizations who are thinking about factoring this part i mean this this is part of the work that we do um with you when we're talking to organizations about fertility in the workplace but if people are focused on the fertility conversation then they're thinking well i can't can't get my head around the baby loss side of it yet because it's vast this conversation is vast we've already talked about all the different types of people that it can impact um but we we want we want organisations to understand that this is part of the fertility conversation. They should really be sitting hand in hand, shouldn't they? Definitely. And actually, fertility struggles, whether that is, you know, trying to conceive and you need fertility treatment, whether you go through a miscarriage, um, stillbirth, you know, any of those issues really, you know, they are significant, very significant on employees. And the fact that the taboo is still felt in the workplace because of lack of policy, because of lack of formal initiatives, you know, um, women are bottling these emotions, they're bottling their experiences, they're not disclosing, you know, sometimes they do, you know, because they hit, hit a point where they just can't carry on. Um, but yeah, what we find is many, many women are concealing this from from work, you know, because one of the biggest issues is that fear of being overlooked for promotion. So if you admit to a pregnancy loss, you're admitting to a pregnancy, if that makes sense. So you're alerting the employer to the fact that you're probably going to take a period of maternity leave. Um, so yeah, that's that's a big issue. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head there when you talked about um, losing the female talent. You know, that is one of the biggest concerns because employers want to retain female talent. You know, they're aware that this is an issue. But by not addressing fertility issues, you're never going to be able to address, you know, why some people are leaving. It's not just because they're having babies. It's because of the whole journey of getting to that point and some people unfortunately don't and you know we do talk about childlessness as well um, as part of our training you know one in five people are childless and that stat is set to rise in the next 25 years they estimate that's going to go to one in three and of course you know we're talking about people who are involuntary childless um but yeah you know in in the training we do share stats and we do share the latest research 
And this is why it ties in so well to the academic work that I do, because, you know, I can use that to practically make change in workplaces. And it's the best thing about the work that I do, I think, actually using it to, you know, make that impact and create change. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, where do I start? If they're starting thinking, okay, policy. Now we know, we always say, we don't want this to be a tick box exercise and just do a policy for policy's sake. We want that awareness. We want to encourage you to have the conversation. And that's something that we can support you in. But if you want to start with uh, something, what would your advice be? Regardless of the size, you know, this is likely to affect every workplace, you know, um, just because of the, the prevalence of these issues. But understandably, you know, some smaller companies might be worried about, you know, the, the funding. Um, but I would say that they need to consider the costs actually of losing the talent, because if they don't address these issues through formal initiatives, then they are going to be losing people. Um, so, yeah, as you were saying, number one thing to start with is policy. Number two, training, so that you can have those hand in hand. Um, policy doesn't work so well without the training, if that makes sense, because it can just, yeah, sit and get dusty. Um, but there are other things that you can do. So if funds are a bit tighter, just acknowledging for example baby loss awareness week that is huge you know to have that on your um, home page of your company um, and there are things like offering counseling which you might already provide but you know making sure that you advertise that um, for people going through this you could create um, template letters that people could write to hr you know, when they are going through this, because, you know, when you go through something so difficult, your head is just scrambled and you can't compose an email. So, yeah, um, you could perhaps do something like that. Mist actually write those for companies and they can use them on their intranet. Exactly. It's just thinking about it. And it's, it's, it's exactly the same way that we approach the fertility conversation. And we'd said about it earlier, that peer support can be so vital. Knowing there's someone who knows what you're going through and they can take you for a coffee or they can, you know, sidetrack you out for a coffee if there's a new baby coming, being brought into the office or they can just the thoughts about baby shower kind of collections and all these triggering things and, and the questions, the unwanted questions, asking people when you're going to have kids, if there's a newly married somebody, you know, or, or even not somebody who's, who's you know, I don't know, a, a, a stage where you think they might be having children or you, it's just none of your business. <laughs> it's one of those things that we just can't help ourselves but ask. It's like it was a given. Here are the list of how to have conversations with other humans, but we need to remove the children question, don't we? Definitely. And again, I think it stems from a place that's well meant. Totally. You know, and because that's reinforced in the media, you know, as soon as you want a baby, it just happens for everyone. You know, um, even in schools, you know, sex education is very yeah. around the notion that, you know, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. Yeah. Yes. You know, and it's going to happen as soon as, you know, there's any error or so, yeah, yeah we're, we're given this it's misguided really yeah that you know it's just going to happen you know really very smoothly for everybody and people who don't have children we are told that oh it's because they didn't want them yeah or they're odd 
yeah, the stereotypes around childlessness are just, they're still there, you know? Um, yeah, just that you're cold or you hate children, that comes up a lot. And I think especially in the workplace, and again, I'm going to link to some conversations that we've had with Jodie Day from Gateway Women about the kind of perception that childless women in particular have in the workplace that you can stay on because you don't have to go and do this. Or no, why do you need to go and care for that person or that important thing in your life when it's not a child? Jodie Day is just fantastic. Um, yes, I, I completely just admire her work. And yeah, I found similar as well um just thinking about how people are almost discriminated against you know for being a non-parent like working the Saturdays or the evenings picking up extra workload um but yeah also just I mean I came across in one of my interviews actually someone was told oh you didn't get the job the person that did get the job I gave it to them because They've got more supervision experience because they're a parent. You know, it's just shocking. I couldn't believe that that was actually said. Um, and, you know, uh, work from home requests being denied because you don't have that childcare responsibility. Um, yeah, there's just so much to it. But, yeah, we do actually talk about this in our training as well because um, it's, as I was saying earlier, it's a very prevalent issue as well. And, and it can be linked to infertility and miscarriage, pregnancy loss, but sometimes not, you know, because it might be what they call social infertility. So, you know, you haven't met a partner in time or it might be to do with illness or something that you, you can't conceive those kind of things but it still should be dealt with with the same level of sensitivity there's a lot of work that needs to be done but the good thing is that we are here to help you think more about these things and we're not here to say you're in the wrong for not doing it we're saying how about thinking about how you could be even more inclusive and even more supportive as an organization and Katie it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you I'll put all of Katie's details in the show notes and if you're interested in this type of training then that's why we're here to help you educate and help you improve the experience of everybody that works for you so that hopefully they they stay with you they feel supported and they feel as we always like to say psychologically safe um, but Katie best of luck with everything and the ongoing work and the ongoing research and your podcast, which we'll put details of in the show notes too. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back. And I hope that you enjoyed Katie sharing all her insights and the knowledge that she's gained from having these conversations. It's it's very similar to the work that we do at Fertility Matters at Work. We're just having constant conversations with the people that are going through this and trying to develop the best solution for all involved by learning from these insights and ultimately giving those going through this what they need so again if you're listening in a management capacity to try and understand more of what you can do then I, I've got no doubt that this will have been of benefit Katie's details will be in the show notes and how we can do a workshop with you what we're doing more and more with organizations is building these like program of events so we normally start a chat within an organization just highlighting fertility matters at work and here's why an overview of um of the issue and, and then what we're encouraging the organizations that we're supporting is to to really ask for feedback of what people want to hear more of and inevitably the the childless conversation is coming more to the forefront as 
more people understand that just because people are going through fertility treatment doesn't guarantee a baby and they're understanding the the vastness of of how this this conversation affects people and that pregnancy loss and and childlessness and the trauma as a result of fertility treatment or if it's been as, as a result of recurrent pregnancy loss that bereavement piece needs to be understood in the same context of fertility struggles and that's hopefully what you've learned from this conversation and it's something that we can help you implement at work so get in touch if we can talk more that would be wonderful do make sure you've subscribed so that you know when the next series lands we're aiming for june we're gonna get stuck in for pride month with a brilliant conversation as i said at the start about the new surrogacy reform bill i'm delighted that we're going to be speaking to two dads uk so be sure to have subscribed let us know your thoughts if you're happy to review the podcast if you've never done it before and you listen in apple podcast you can do it there if you're in spotify there's an option to do it there too otherwise you can just drop us an email info at fertilitymattersatwork.com all our details will be up next check out the show notes too to get in touch and thank you Thank you for your support. Hope you've enjoyed this series. Do follow us on our socials at Fertility Matters at Work on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's where we share the free events that we have as well as survey findings and lots of interesting conversations from our community. We're at Fert Matters Work on Twitter. Plus, we've got loads of free resources at fertilitymattersatwork.com. If from what we've shared with you, you feel ready to talk more about how your organisation can become fertility friendly, do book a call via the website link. It will be great to hear from you. 